0: This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast.
1: All right, Joy Fox, welcome back to Bartholomew Town. As you just mentioned, it's been a couple of months since you were on, which is nuts because it feels like it was like three weeks ago. But boy, have things picked up in terms of we're approaching the primary in rapid fashion here. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, (laughs) definitely. But how does it feel on your end in terms of Where you were a few months ago positioned with where you are now and not even worrying so much about or thinking about polling data, but just what you're experiencing out on the street.
0: Yeah. Um, It gets more exciting every day, actually. Mm -hmm. You can feel the momentum picking up. Um, We have been out knocking on doors for probably about a couple of months now as well. And we're starting to hear people tell us, yeah, I'm starting to think about the race and I like what I hear um, and, and asking questions, too, which is really great you know, when I ask, are you thinking about the race? Um, that answer has been getting a lot more. Yes, I am. And here are some things that are on my mind. Uh, the thing that I'm sure doesn't surprise you that's on most minds for the doors that, that we've been talking to, or the people that we've been talking to, we haven't been talking to doors. Since. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, to the people we've been talking to is, is, is choice. It's choice. It's choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other night too, I was on the door and, and an issue of of pay equity came up, which was also a very interesting um, thing. You hear a lot of things out there, but it's choice, a little bit about cost of living, uh, and then you know whatever's on people's minds, which varies from how their day was at work uh, all the way up to this this heat. I mean, we've been out in some pretty hot weather talking to folks, so it's been good. So the momentum is there, and things are things are ramping, ramping up.
1: Yeah, and 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 one thing certainly, choice is going to be you know it's one thing that basically all of the candidates in the Democratic primary seem to agree on. Spencer right. Dickinson, who entered this race, yeah. you know, last second sort of entry, he actually was on the Dan York show. We're taping this on Thursday. He was on yesterday, and revealed I think for the first time that he's comfortable with the idea of states managing abortion laws. In other words, he's satisfied with the Supreme Court decision that. Again, pretty much the rest of your opponents seem to be on the same page that that is outrageous to, to dismantle standing law. Quickly, your reaction to Dickinson on that? Uh,
0: it's un, it's unfathomable, I think. It's unconscionable. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, when I, we said I was here two months ago, I think that night is when the Supreme Court decision leaked. I think we talked yeah. earlier in that day. That's how much things have changed since the last time we were together. Talking, uh, and I'm heartened by the vote in Kansas that we saw. It is clear that this is this transcends party lines. This belongs. This is an issue of privacy between a woman uh, and her doctor and their families. Uh, it has. There's no place for uh, the government and, and to be in the middle of those conversations. Abortion care is health care, and that's the way it needs to be. And we need to make it the federal law of the land.
1: Yeah, no, no question. On from my perspective as well, that especially running inside the Democratic primary, that that would be right. the position. But hey, I guess as they say, it's a wide tent. What are you going to do?
0: There's nothing I can do about about my, where my opponents stand on things. The sure. best thing that I can do is make my position very clear. Congress needs to protect a woman's right to choose. Uh, abortion is health care, and we need a federal law taking care of that once and for all.
1: No question that just general economic issues are major right now. We look at Providence specifically, you know, in terms of, and that's partially inside the district that you're running in, but the, the the cost of living for a rental has gone up 23% over the last year. Statewide, we're seeing enormous housing cost increases. Gas prices have receded a bit, but still something that people aren't that comfortable with, food, et cetera. What, at this point, what would you say is the number one thing that if you were elected to Congress, you could do to try to encourage a calming of what seems to be a movement towards number one, rapid inflation and hopefully not stagflation with a looming recession potentially coming.
0: Well, I think that the recent legislative proposal that we've just seen come out of the Senate is encouraging, and it moves us in the right direction, not only for the long term in terms of climate uh, issues, um, but prescription drug prices, Mm. letting Medicare negotiate prescription drug prices, something we've all talked about for a really long time. It's good to see movement on that. I think in the short term right here in Rhode Island, or I shouldn't say the short term, but if, if I am elected here, the one thing that I hear Constantly from literally Block Island to Barovella's is housing, as you just alluded yeah. to. So, what can we do to not only um, help first-time homebuyers but help older people who would like to downsize and stay here? Uh, those affordable options so that people can live and work here. And it isn't just about the house, right? It's about our communities at large. It is about workforce. It is about having people able to to fill the jobs that we have. And it's and you know, one thing that I hear from employers constantly is, I've got these vacancies, I find a good person, the talented person that I need, but it's they're not willing to make the 50 to 60-minute commute, and that's not... That doesn't promote a good quality of life, so we have to get really serious not only on the the home the home side, but the rental side as well. Yep. And um, I think there's wide agreement on that, and I think we are seeing more money. I think some of the ARPA funds have they've I think they've uh, eased some of the restrict, uh uses on that to go into more housing. So I think that has to be uh, a top priority as t- in terms of just the economics of the state in general, separate and apart from from the current. Rising costs of of costs of living and gas and groceries. This this problem was here, and it's only being exacerbated. So we gotta we gotta get our arms around it.
1: What is the what what can be done at the federal level to try to calm housing prices? I mean, is there any legislation that you would introduce? I mean, is it really just does it come down to just we're in this and we have to think on a state by state basis and you try to secure as much funding as possible? Exactly. Is it's, that it? It's,
0: it's working with your colleagues in the delegation to secure that funding. It's talking to different community organizations, community development organizations like LISC, who does a lot of work in in, in the state for affordable housing and other mm-hmm. agencies like that, uh, to make sure that they have the resources. And also understanding, you know, it's not just a question with so many things. It's like, let's just get it more money. No, there's, there's – these agencies and these people on the front lines in our communities have plans, have ideas, can see where the exact need is and, and how to do these things. So it's about bringing people around the table of course, leveraging the funding at the federal level, but then making sure that we are deploying it as efficiently and strategically as possible, just not throwing money, uh, you know, good after bad at a problem. And I think we've got a lot of good people in the state working and agencies and organizations working on this to make sure that they are part of those conversations to deploy as quickly as possible from, again, the housing market, the rental market, and in homelessness. We have to look at the total picture.
1: Speaker Pelosi just got back from I believe she's landed back in the U.S. The US from Taiwan. Are you comfortable with that trip and, and that sort of diplomacy? And it seemed like there was some division amongst... You know the executive branch and and even within the party as to whether or not that was the right move. Your thoughts yeah. on that?
0: Yeah, I've been following it just as you are, Bill. Um, I don't have any inside information on that. I didn't even know that she had landed back in the country. Yeah, I say uh, that assuming <laughs> that she has. You know, but. Um, no, she did not call me. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, those are those are things that our our not only are on the diplomatic side but on the defense side. You know, those are those are things that. Um, that need to be looked at and analyzed seriously and you know my my standard here is it's it is diplomacy first and see what we can do um, and a very very high threshold for any type of, of deployment in, in any situation.
1: Yeah and, and kind of leaning into just international geopolitics as well just just as a rule of thumb your thoughts on the U.S.'s role as the hegemon in terms of You know, being the the world police officer, so on and so forth. And, you know, how do we how do we navigate that fine line of being a, you know, a, a source for a rule of law or or however you want to frame it with interfering with other entities, other nations, other nation states, other governments, whatever it may be. How do you balance
0: that? It's a, it's a good question. It's a complicated question. No doubt the United mm-hmm. States has a leadership role on, on a, of a global scale and um, and one that we um, need to make sure that we are um, using diplomatically. Um, and again, bringing people around a table, it's, it's really no different than any other issue like housing that we were just talking about, mm-hmm. making sure that lines of communication are open and that our strategic interests as a country are Protected, um, but that we are working with our global partners. Um, you know, one thing that comes to mind is climate change in this area. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not a country by country issue. This is a global issue, and it is an issue that we need, as a global community, need to come together on to tackle. Uh, because you know, the Bill and Joy sitting in another on another continent right now, having a similar conversation. You know, it's the same. It's the same. Climate that we are all living in, so it's that's how I, I I look at it.
1: We're speaking with Joy Fox, who is a candidate in the Democratic primary coming up on September 13th. Of course, early voting and mail August ballots 24th. and so forth. August coming, 24th yeah.
0: actually is early voting. That's yep. it's the 20 days before. Uh, and I do have to give the General Assembly credit; they passed the Let Rhode Island Vote Act this year, yep. which extended all of the the COVID um, provisions that we had uh, for voting as well. But August 24th is the early voting. Uh, you can go to your town hall, city hall. Um, up until September 13th.
1: Let's talk about the race itself, kind of zeroing in on on your opponents here. Um, Obviously, we talked about Dickinson in the beginning, but Seth Magaziner, the general treasurer of of Rhode Island, is, you know, he is widely viewed as the front runner here. He's moneyed. um, He has an ad out right now. Your thoughts on the reality of with five weeks to go until the actual primary and less than that until early voting... Your thoughts on how do you chip away at what his polling numbers show as a commanding lead and what I suppose if you just look at it from a a financing side would show as a commanding lead?
0: Yeah, it's, it's doing exactly what we're doing right now, having a conversation. Um, I am doing this multiple times a day with all sorts of people. So it is working, I, I've never shied away from a challenge. I always jump in, roll up my sleeves, and, and work as hard as, as we possibly can. So that's, that's number one, is we're just out there. We're just out there talking to everyone that we can. Um, and I would say, again, back to talking about housing and international relations and climate change, um, you know, if you want to solve these problems in Washington, you have to change the kind of person that you're sending there. Someone like me that, you know, grew up here. I grew up in Cranston. I live in Warwick. I went to Rhode Island College. I was a commuter student to Rhode Island College Um, and I run a small business now. I I have to work. I am working. um, I was working this morning before coming in to see you. I can't, Mm -hmm. I don't have the luxury of not working and running this campaign. And yes, Uh, bizarrely, I think I'm doing both at 100% at this moment. It can be done.
1: (laughs) It can be done. Um,
0: So there's a choice in this race. There's a choice on if you want to solve these problems, you have to change who you're going to send there. And that means... Um, someone that's willing to to dive into every problem and work hard not someone that grew up with a trust fund or went to fancy schools um, or can fund their campaigns with thousands and thousands in personal loans there there is a difference and there is a choice here and that's the case that I'm working very hard to make right now and um, it's going well we're going to keep at it and anyone listening right now there's door knocking opportunities there's phone banking uh, there, you know, donations and contributions are, are always helpful, especially in this last sprint, because every, everything we're doing is about talking to voters at this point. Um, and then just making sure that you have a plan to vote, as we were just saying. August 24th is the early voting, especially if you've got kids, um, students who are headed back to college who listen to you. I say directly to them, before you go back to school, uh, head over to City Hall and, and vote. Um, I mean, for everything that we've talked about here, all the challenges, starting with Roe v. Wade to housing, to climate, to international diplomacy, it, it, it comes down to the vote. It comes down to using our voice and, and the vote is the way that we do that. I was in uh, Wickford at one of the Narragansett, uh, not Narragansett, North Kingstown, Town beach concerts. And mm-hmm. I got this really interesting question, walked up to a fella and he said, if you have one vote in Congress, one vote. Your entire term, you, you can only vote once on one thing. Hmm. What is it? And without hesitation, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Because mm, if we don't mm-hmm. have that, if we don't have the, the vote, and if the vote is not protected, nothing else matters. It's the foundation of everything that our great country is built on. Um, and I take that, that, that very, very seriously. Um, so again, I would say, college kids, if you're listening, <laughs> yeah. please, before you go back to school. But also just everyone else, make a plan. Make a plan between August 24th and September 13th. It's important.
1: In the event that you win uh, this election, you would be matched up against Alan Fung, the former Cranston mayor. He was on Bartholomewtown two weeks ago. You can find that on uh, at, r- at ripodcast.com if you haven't heard it yet. But, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. Mayor Fung's trying to position, position himself at this, at, in two ways at the same time, essentially, as appealing to conservative voters. But also as someone who can thread that independent needle here in Rhode Island in a matchup with Alan Fung. What are the key differences besides the obvious? You know, besides the fact that he's a Republican, and you'd be a Democrat. How do you appeal to the average voter in Congressional District 2 in Rhode Island in a way that differentiates you from Alan Fung?
0: I think you just answered the question for me. You said he's trying to do things in two ways. And that's the problem. There's never one way with him. It is always trying to thread a needle. It is always trying to bob and weave. It is always trying to not answer your questions, Bill. What you see is what you get here with me. There is only one way. I grew up in Cranston. I live in Warwick. I love my community. I believe in the power of government to make a difference. And I will take that uh, to the voters in the general election all day long. Um, And the fact that I am... A hometown girl and he's the hometown boy. I will put my hometown girl up against the hometown boy <laughs> all day long. Uh, I did cover him in his first race when he ran for citywide yep. on, uh, with uh, Mayor Laffey. Um, I've known him for a very long time and I think that is part of the problem. We don't know where he stands on very important issues mm-hmm. and the bobbing and the weaving and wanting it two ways should be a huge red flag. Um, To anyone in the general election, whoever the Democratic nominee is, I have to say um, that that argument that you just made for us (laughs) um, is a key one. It's a key distinction. He needs to start um, telling us the one thing that he believes on these things, not trying to thread a needle.
1: One question that he wouldn't answer clearly was whether or not he would accept president former President Trump's endorsement. I think it's only fair to ask a similar question to you. Would you accept President Biden's endorsement?
0: Yes, I, 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 If, if this race goes to that level, um, that'll be a very interesting. Um, and I will be here every day talking to your audience. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, it is important that we keep the Democrats in the majority and the de- and Democrats in the White House, whoever they may be, and whoever is in this general election. And I do believe it will be me. Um, will need all the help they can get for sure. And um, and it's important that we all come together um, to to defeat a guy who's not sure where he stands on things.
1: Last question here, last minute or so. Um, term limits for for Congress people. I don't think we talked about this in the previous interview. Interview, if we did, it's well, my brain is at Thanks, max Phil. capacity. Thanks, exactly. Yeah. You don't remember everything I said.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: what do you think? Term limits for Congress
0: people? Yeah, I think two things. One, the voter is the ultimate decider yeah, in sure. that. Um, but yes. I think I don't know what the number is. I'd love I'm sure there's there's reams and reams of data to see what is the best way to go there. But, yes, I support term limits.
1: Joy Fox is running for Congress in the second congressional district Democratic primary. We'll be back here in what a month or so for the uh, debate we're having here on, on Bartholomew Town WPRO. And uh, I'm sure we'll hear from you as well on the radio with, with Dan and so on and so forth. As always, thanks for stopping by.
0: Thanks, Bill. I appreciate it. Take care.
1: Of course.